Gay SA Radio, where you are family. In this series, we listen to the discussions that were held during the South African LGBTI Business Summit, setting an LGBTI economic empowerment agenda. The summit was held at the Equinox Center at the Absa Capital in Santon in Johannesburg on Tuesday the 11th of September 2018. The purpose of this inaugural South African LGBTI Business Summit is to position LGBTI economic muscle in the business sphere by making a strong business case for the economic inclusion of LGBTI people and, by doing that, open up new business and other economic empowerment opportunities for LGBTI people. Discussions during the summit will demonstrate how this can be done, identify opportunities to make it happen and craft strategies to overcome obstacles. In the first of the sessions, the topic was why should the inclusion of LGBTI people matter to business? The session reflected on the current extent of economic inclusion of LGBTI people and outlined the commercial, regulatory compliance and ethical cases for LGBTI inclusion in business, amongst other aspects that they might want to highlight. PLUS has been in the making since 2016 when the other foundation consulted about 20 LGBTI business persons to initiate a network for focus support to LGBTI plus owned businesses. A memorandum of understanding had been signed between the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce in the US and the other foundation. PLUS, the LGBTI business network, was officially launched on the 17th of May 2017 as part of IDR celebrations. The website went live and Monang Mohane, CEO of Business Leadership South Africa, became the PLUS champion. In 2017, I was elected interim chairperson and an executive team was appointed. The PLUS mission, which is to champion, promote, support and empower South African LGBTI business owners and entrepreneurs with valuable opportunities to learn, to network, to do business, to prosper, to contribute to the redress of the structural and social economic injustices of our past. Our vision is to build a dynamic, thriving and visible South African LGBTI business community for an inclusive, free and equitable society that celebrates our values, encompassing equality, freedom, respect for human rights, community pride and belief in the value and talents of the LGBTI business community. The network has since engaged with over 550 professionals, business persons, service providers, LGBTI corporate representatives, technical specialists, allies. We've done this in meetings, in business opportunity colloquiums, in membership trials, as well as collaborative events with other entities. These have been throughout the country, PE, Durban, Kimberley, Rustenburg, uh, now sprayed, etc. Then realized we had to engage the services of a consultant, Anzio Jacobs, who came on board to assist with the day-to-day -day operations of the network. And PLUS is now formally registered with a strategy focus on the following key areas. Firstly, enterprise development, which includes capacity development, but also, very importantly, access to opportunities as well as access to critical networks. Advocacy 
to create fair, equitable, inclusive business environments for LGBTI businesses. Accreditation of LGBTI suppliers, and last but not least, supporting the establishment and strengthening of LGBTI inclusive workplaces and networks. This journey has been incredible. Seeing LGBTI plus entrepreneurs sincerely engage in our processes and opportunities presented has affirmed the value that PLUS can add and it's the contribution it can make to redress the structural and economic injustices of our past. With the support of the NGLCC, we recently ran a competition for one member to join me at the annual NGLCC conference. Landa Mabenge highlighted the tremendous value you're both personally but also in accessing international um, contacts. The lead up to this particular summit has been an inspiring journey with corporate partners lending their support to ensuring the successful implementation of this inaugural South African LGBTI business summit. The main aim of this summit is to position LGBTI economic muscle in the broader business sphere by making a strong case for the economic inclusion of LGBTI uh, business persons. And our hope is that this will open up new businesses, it will open up new economic empowerment opportunity for LGBTI business community. <music>
we want companies to recognize that they have LGBTI members working for them. We want them to make it easy for the community to work in companies, recognize who we are, recognize what we can do, because when you do that, we'll give you more. We already do more as individuals in the community as well. Just some house rules before we get started and we get the welcome address from APSA, who's giving us this beautiful venue. It's something to look at. It makes you excited to be at a meeting like this, not a boring conference venue. Uh, of course, uh, we are going to have um, you know, refreshments for you, tea, coffee, no wine just yet. Sorry, a little later maybe, because you're talking business. You can always access that uh, at the front of uh, where you entered from. If you do need lavatories, go out through the entrance again, turn right, follow the subway system, you'll see the sign saying uh, toilets. You'll even hear trains stopping by, remind you of your trips to London. In case of any emergencies, any medical needs, please reach out to the APSA team. They are there to help you out. Uh, they're fully equipped to uh, get through anything that you need in terms of an emergency or assistance. And um, yeah, the password to the Wi-Fi in 2018 is something we all want to know. I saw some of you taking selfies a little earlier, so you can post it. Uh, log on to the Equinox um, Wi-Fi, and then, the, of course, the password is Exponential. There's also a free app link that you can use as well, which you can uh, get yourself going. The hashtag for today, please write it down. We want people to talk about this outside of this meeting. So... Whatever you comment on, the hashtag is LGBTIBiz, that's B-I-Z. All right, enough from me, because I'm just facilitating this event. There's so many speakers here, there's so many things we're going to talk about. We'll get through each session individually so that we actually keep track of it and move through in a smooth pace. Uh, we'll hear from uh, Dean Ebden in a short while from PLUS, but before we hear from Dean, who's going to welcome you all. Let's hear from APSA. I mean, these are the guys who have us here. These are the guys hosting the event. And Lee Francis is the co-chairperson of APSA Spectrum Network. Good morning, everybody. Not sure. Come on, please. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, look, it's a great privilege for us. Let me just unhook myself. There we go. Um, great privilege for us to be able to host uh, this event here today and welcome to all of our guests um, here for the very first LGBTI Plus Summit. I'm looking forward to spending um, today with, uh, with most of you and I caught up with quite a lot of you earlier on and we'll continue to do that throughout the day. Um, yeah, look, thanks for coming. Who's been to this venue before? None of you? Okay, one, one person. Okay, um, so welcome to, this is the venue that we call Equinox. Um, we're going to take care of you today. If there's anything that we can do, or if you've got any questions, there's a few of us from ABSA. Um, please shout, and we'll do what we can just to try and make it even as comfortable as, uh, as it needs to be. So um, I'm the Chief Operating Officer for the Chief Security Office within ABSA. Um, yes, I did arrive from London back in 2006, as you can uh, hear from the accent. Um, and I'm also the co-chair for the... Are we okay there? The co-chair for the ABSA Spectrum Network. Um, we launched that network back probably four years ago now, 2014, um, and we've had some really, really good success as, as ABSA in that network. We've, uh, let me tell you a couple of things that we've done. We've also been quite prominent at Johannesburg Pride. Uh, we've been prominent in Pretoria and Cape Town Pride. Um, we've also managed to make a lot of adjustments internally to internal policies with regards to our colleagues. Um, so, for example, 
Um, Same-sex beneficiary rights, that wasn't a thing that was possible in this organisation. We managed to change some of those things, which is great. And also something as simple as corporateware for colleagues that are facing off to our customers and in branches. We also made some changes to some of those rules to try and open things up. So that's just a couple of things that we've been doing as a network. Um, we also have a strong ally following. following. Um, we know the majority of colleagues in this organisation are straight. Um, so we bring them with us on the journey. And I think we've probably got seven, 800 or so um, people that are signed up to our, network, to our network, which we've had great success over, and we've achieved that in the last four years. Um, so that's kind of what I do. Um, and what else can I tell you about? I guess probably some prominent stuff around we've been quite busy since the announcement of the Barclays sell-down. So um, Barclays Spectrum is where we started this four years ago. Um, and I think with the announcement of that sell-down, that's given us the opportunity to say, right, what do we need to do? Um, what's good from that? Um, what do we need to learn from that? And what do we need to do better? Um, and I guess that's probably why events such as this are important. Um, because, you know, that's daunting. We've been under the Barclays leadership, the Barclays parent, for probably 11 years or so. Um, and I think now is the opportunity for us to stand on our own two feet. Right, so very much looking forward to the collaboration that that brings us today and talking to you with regards to that. Um, what else can I tell you here? Okay, um, so, yeah, look, in my role in the Chief Security Office, I think we are forever trying to keep abreast of what's going on. Things are changing daily. Things are changing by the week. And I think that's also why it's important to get together in a forum such as this today. We don't have all of the answers, um, but I'm hoping by the end of today, if the conversation continues, um, we can try to understand what this means um, for us as we, as we go further. Um, so last words from me. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the other foundation. I'm looking forward to doing some more work with you guys. Thank you to the co-sponsors as well. And also thank you for the organisers at Equinox. Um, which is this side. So maybe we can just actually just give a round of applause for this. Uh, for this um, I'm sure they can hear me behind the scenes. They've done a fantastic job and they're going to take really good care of us today. So um, so look forward to engaging with you. Enjoy today. And uh, yeah, that's it from me. Thank you. All right. So let's hear from someone from an organization that actually made this possible. And I don't think many people know about Plus just yet because when I heard about them going into this, I was quite surprised by the work they do. Do yourself a favor, Google it and look mm -hmm. exactly what this organization does. It's outstanding. And I think they deserve recognition for what they're doing. Let's welcome uh, Dean Ebden Hitzerat, as I found out just now. He's, of course, an executive committee member at Plus. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Dean Ebden, and I'm part of the working group. On behalf of the other foundation, our partners with APSA, EY, Shell, Uber, and the South African LGBT Plus Management Forum, we'd like to welcome you all to this inaugural LGBTI Business Summit. We look forward to your contribution and what you're going to have to put on the table as discussions. Our purpose here today is to position the LGBTI economic muscle in the business sphere by making a strong business case for the economic inclusion of LGBTI people. Uh, part of the summit will also explore ways to open up new businesses 
business opportunities and looked at crafting strategies that can leverage on these opportunities. Um, as a gay man, we are keenly aware of the barriers that LGBTI people face as we enter spaces where we are in the, in the minority. By breaking down these barriers, we not only empower ourselves, we create a larger pool of citizens who can contribute to the overall growth of the South African economy. Economic empowerment is essential to rendering agency to a community that continues to face enormous obstacles in increasing, in accessing social justice, not to mention the high prevalence of violence experienced by black lesbians in particular. The summit is a culmination of serious commitment and hard work of the PLUS working group. As in as our members here, Andrea, do you see any? There's Louis, please stand up. <coughs> Andrea, Louis, there was a group of people that put together for the last three, four years working to make this uh, summit a possibility as well as putting in systems to ensure that PLUS is a success. Thank you, guys. Um, on that note, I'd also like to acknowledge the presence of um, and the contribution of EY, APSA, Uber and the LGBTIT Working Forum. Uh, the process of setting up this organization has taken us to all the major centers of the country and where we were witness to the incredible spirit and ambitious of LGBTI business people, passionately making a difference in their lives and that of their communities. This in spite of the difficulties that some of them experience in setting up these businesses. These entrepreneurs are setting up their business agendas and vigorously driving their businesses to the next level. As PLUS, we salute these entrepreneurs and continue to support and empower them through platforms such as these. And on behalf of PLUS again and the members of the Working Committee, I'd like to say a very special thank you to our partners, APSA, EY, Shell, Uber, for making today possible. We'd like to acknowledge the generous support and commitment towards ensuring the success of this summit. And lastly, a very big thank you to Neville Gabriel, his entire team at the other foundation, for, the, for their guidance and wavering support of PLUS. We value this relationship, Neville, and we look forward to strengthening it in the near future. I'd also like to encourage the participants to take advantage of the summit by engaging, engaging with the moderators, engaging with the breakaway sessions that's about to happen, and most importantly, develop networks while you are here. Thank you. Um, it's great to see that people can work together and all in an effort to help one another become successful in the world of business. And, and that's what PLUS is doing as an organization. And I'll continue to boast about them, I guess, for the rest of my life. Because <laughs> I've learned something about a group that uh, is not working for any specific uh, goal in terms of making a name for itself by doing good, but they're just doing it. Because I didn't hear about them before I got here. And that tells you it's an organization that's actually working instead of boasting about working. So, we know who brought us here, but why are we here? And that's the talking point here. Of course, this summit wants to look at and present the strongest possible business case for the inclusion of the LGBTI community in South Africa. We're going to tell the country why we believe that they need to know about LGBTI businesses, LGBTI-owned businesses, we also need to encourage and show companies 
you know, around the country that have people working for them who, who form part of the community, that they need to look after them. They need to look out for them in order to get more from people in this community. We'll have several panel discussions that will be broken up uh, over the next couple of hours. We'll be here until 5 uh, p.m. So I hope you have your thinking caps on. <laughs> it's going to be a long day, but it's all worth it because it's a topic that we're passionate about. It's a topic that's going to see ultimately, I'm not going to say at the end of the day, but ultimately an end result that will get us to a point where we can say we remember that summit, we remember where it all started, and now we're seeing the results of that summit. The first four sessions will see people sitting together, all of us here in a room that can discuss and debate, robust debate, as Greta Mantashe from the ANC is necessary when you go into uh, these discussions, because we don't want it to be wishy-washy, we don't want it to be censored in any way. It needs to be frank. We need to be frank and real about how we actually go about making this possible. Uh, and then we'll go into breakaway sessions, three in particular. The room will divide, these doors will close. You pick where you want to go and actually contribute to that discussion. Every discussion will have a question and possibly a survey will ask you uh, with regards to where you want to see it go, what questions you have, and then the group will look at that as they continue their discussion. We'll start with Plenary 1, and, and this is basically us discussing why the inclusion of the LGBTI community matters in business. It will be moderated by Lindira Zikali, the Head of Transformation and Regulatory Affairs at Anglo-American. Uh, before we get to her actually coming up, and let's give you the question. You can actually go to www.sly.sli. I'll wait for you to write it down because we want you guys to participate in this. Sly.do. Sli.do. This is basically a platform that allows you to access a system where we can see what you're thinking and we'll bring it up on screen so that nobody's silenced because the point of you being here is to speak, let us know what you think about things that are said. And in this way, we'll encourage everyone to comment. Uh, if there's a survey in the particular section, please vote on it. And we'll bring it up at the end to show you how people in this room actually feel about a specific topic. So it's sly, S-L-I dot D-O. The event code is LGBTI, which is simple for you to see. And then you go about each plenary session that will come up with a specific question and survey. It will also pop up on screen at certain points throughout the day. So please feel free to actually do that. So I think let's start the first session because we have... The event code is LGBTI. Got it? Yeah. Okay, so let's get an overview of why we're here with Lindiwe Zikali, uh, who's going to moderate this session. Lindiwe? Um, please feel free to interact as much as possible. I don't like those places where you go and then you just have to sit there and listen and listen and listen. It bores me. So I want to try and avoid that with this process today. Lindiwe is obviously going to moderate the panel. She'll moderate the discussion and get through the nitty-gritties of it. But anything you feel that we're missing, raise it.
Hello, everybody. Good morning. I'm still Lindy with the cat. Um, when I grew up, gosh, it's like many moons ago now, in the dusty streets of Rockville in Soweto, there was this, uh, where's Shakes? There was this, uh, well, there were many games that we used to play. Um, one of my favorites was this one. Please indulge me, let's stand up. You need to read them for this one. Let's go. Okay. Are we there? Are we there? We are old. You needed to have, you know, if there were only two, you saw it didn't work between me and Jake. Because this was, this was about being in a group. Um, another one, and if there were two or three or four of you, and you wanted to play this other one, I can't quite do it on my own. Um, but you sort of cluster together and then pump outwards. Um, and the more, the merrier. Uh, and you keep pumping and pumping, and, and this is why we are here to, today. This is about making the circle bigger. That's what inclusion is about. Because say your, um, what, what is that? Hello? <laughs> Somebody on the line. Someone's hooked. <laughs> well, they were invited to engage, so they're already engaging. The point I'm making. I hope it was a good joke. <laughs> it was a good joke. You guys are. Can I sit down? <laughs> There's another moderator, clearly. Am I safe now? Please <laughs> protect me. We are talking about inclusion. Um, making the circle bigger is what inclusion is about. When you have spaces where only one or two or three can play, the game is not the same and it's not fun. But the more people you have and you include, you get the richness of the game. This is not a game, what we are talking about today. This is serious. Our founding document, and I'll read it to you because I, I know we don't have the constitution as our bedtime reading as South Africans. So, right at the beginning in the preamble, it says, We, the people of South Africa, recognize the injustices of our past, honor those who suffered for justice and freedom in our land, respect those who have worked to build and develop our country, and believe that South Africa belongs to all who live in it, united in our diversity. Right at the beginning, before we even start getting to closes, we are in. It's South Africa belongs to all who live in it. The next bit, we all know about close nine. 
seeing that we're talking business today, Clause 22 says and talks about freedom of trade, occupation, and profession. Every citizen has the right to choose their trade, occupation, or profession freely. The, trade, the practice of a trade, profession, occupation may be regulated by law. All I'm trying to say is our founding document already includes us. How do we make that workable? So today, what this event, this session, this gathering today is about is for us to talk about why LGBT inclusion matters for business. Why is it relevant for business? There are three things that we're going to be teasing out during the course of today. So what we'll be doing with my panelists here is just to start to tease out at a very high level those three aspects. The first one is the commercial aspect of inclusion. Commercial being the business side as well as the employment side for, for, for those of us who can run businesses or are employees. The second aspect is the, what we call the compliance aspect. What do the laws say? I mean, the fundamental law already says we are in. And we've got a raft of legislation, we've got codes, we've got, we've got all sorts of laws in this country. Is there an LGBT inclusion imperative in our laws as they currently stand? The third one is the ethical or moral dimension. What is the basis, ethically speaking, for including members of, of the LGBT plus uh, uh, community? My panelists this morning are, and I'll introduce them right now as they come up, Mr. Susan Bele is the Head of Strategy from Business Leadership South Africa, or BLSA. Come, Susan. Second panelist is Mr. Landa Mabenge from Landa Mabenge Consulting. Come, Landa. So, I've gone through the Constitution and what it says. One of the things that we struggle with at this point in time in South Africa is data and, 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 and research. But globally, a lot of research has been done um, around the business case for inclusion, especially in the workplace. It is known that inclusion encourages engagement. So when employees are included, feel included, they are more engaged. When they are more engaged, um, that, that their talent bursts, they are more productive. There's a virtual cycle for a workplace that is inclusive. So people show up as they really are. They are engaged. They are more productive. There's better teamwork. There's more productivity. And, and so on it, it, it goes. There's also an aspect around safety. Uh, for uh, places of work where safety is paramount. I work in mining. Safety is do or die. If you blink and you, and, and, and you don't have uh, your colleagues back, you cannot, you cannot guarantee that you'll go back home alive. At Shell, they did a study a few years ago where they found that there's a direct correlation between inclusion and safety at work. A one percentage point increase in inclusive practices correlates to a 4% increase.
increase or decrease rather in the likelihood of accidents at work. So that's significant for places of work where having an accident can be a fatality. You can die and not go home at the end of the day. Inclusion is, 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 is also important from the perspective of um, other aspects of, 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 of diversity. So today we are talking about LGBT in terms of the workplace. So I'm teasing some of these aspects out in terms of the data that we have. There's going to be a session this morning around the pink rent and the commercial aspects. So um, I know there's a study that was done and led by the um, other foundation. We are worth as a community in terms of our buying power between 53 billion and what is it? 204 billion. Well, I'll take the 53. You know, I'll, I'll take the 53 and on any given day. But that is the range of our buying power. But when the market doesn't talk to us as a community of buyers, of people who are interested in certain, certain goods and services, and send certain approaches to those goods and services, they're going to miss out on the 53 to 204. And, and, and maybe those are even conservative estimates. But that's what we are worth. We don't talk about that a whole lot. We just join, you know, we go into pick and pay or check us whatever for whatever we need. And we go to the petrol station to, to, to pour petrol. We, 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 we do as everybody else is, is doing. And nobody talks to us and we don't engage them about what we want and how we want to approach. So these are some of the things that we will be talking about. Caesar, what are your perspectives from a BLSA perspective as well as you uh, individually around these three aspects? Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, good morning to everyone. Um, at least um, I worked for Share for about nine years and um, so it gave me a good foundation terms of the ABTTI community, mm -hmm. so I'm quite grateful for the opportunity because it opened my eyes. Uh, you know, I used to start with this provocative thought that uh, for LBTTI conversation it should be a different conversation. I don't see why it should be a different conversation. Mm -hmm. um, you spoke about inclusiveness. BLSA emphasizes one of the key pillars to say that we need to drive economic growth. Mm. inclusiveness and when we talk about inclusiveness we normally people normally narrow the definition to look at gender but certainly the LPGI community should be a significant part of that mm -hmm. as well as transformation and I'll come to that point so it is important because LP, uh, BLSA represent at least 84, 86 CEOs 80% of them they are in GSE so if we advocate for the right, the voice of uh, LPTI community. We are talking to really the heads of businesses, mm -hmm. especially when we talk about the, the financial voice. Okay. And also BLSA advocate for uh, strengthening of key state institutions because whenever you find discrimination, whenever you are faced with discrimination, you face with safety issues mm -hmm. you mentioned. Uh, that's when we run to institutions and these institutions need to be strengthened, they need to be educated because this patriarchy, this old thinking in terms of morality, they still don't get it. So PLSA should be a, 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 the center of educating these 
business leaders to make sure that this community is respected. They are not different. It's not different about, there's nothing different about them. They are part of our community. But also the third pillar that BLSA proud itself on is positioning business as a national asset. And basically there we're talking about mainly about people. And if you don't get the diversity and inclusiveness, you're not going to get the full potential of what the business can drive. There's a lot of emphasis globally in terms of women, uh, where they say 26% also include women and people that have been disadvantaged, you get about 26% um, increase in global GDP. Very few is being said about the LBGI community that if you actually add the diversity and inclusiveness, what are the spin-offs, what are the positive things that you need to get? So BLSA should be in the forefront of at least educating this. One thing that's been puzzling, and we'll see that in the studies that uh, uh, Claudia Goldman spoke about the quiet revolution. It says that if we don't include all communities, if we don't take advantages of all the talent that the communities offers, you know, it's like a major disequilibrium. So we are leaving valuable assets diversity of voices, diversity of skills, inclusiveness of everyone in that. So I'm quite excited to be here because having worked for Shell for in all these 37 countries in Africa, I used to manage them, so now I work for PLSA, which is an advocacy group. At least I get an opportunity to educate some of the people and say they are not different than me. They are not different from anyone else. Um, and, and prior to that, I used to work for Caltex uh, in the U.S. Uh, this uh, LPGI community is quite celebrated. Here, we still see a lot of patriarchy, we still see a lot of discrimination, something that we should fight against. And we see that, especially when it comes to uh, employment equity, uh, there's a lot of emphasis in terms of including women. But now we need to be fighting for inclusiveness of LPGI community to say that we are missing out on those things. And because in South, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, we are also leaving a lot of potential when it comes to those things. So BLSA should not be pursuing the agenda of economic growth transformation in a narrow definition when it comes to inclusiveness. It should be advocating for LBGI inclusiveness in the whole of the economy. Let me end there by saying that I believe that the failures to confront the transformation and moral imperative into an economic one resulting in us in being having an, an untapped growth that's a, a store of valuable things and delightful things and we are having missed opportunity. Um, I've already said that in SSA there's a potential if we include the LPGI community whereby we can get our economic growth by at least 27%. These are business cases if you want. And such numbers are providing a powerful link when we talk about social cohesion because we do know that if leaders are advocating for the right of LBGTI community, that's when they start to be embraced. So I'm hoping that as we look only as we look at fourth industrial revolution economic growth, we don't leave any talent, we don't leave any different voice, if you like, which is not different to me. So we need to be saying, how do we embrace our brothers and sisters and all communities 
so that at least we get to celebrate South Africa and the world truly belongs to all who lives in it. Mm -hmm. And we should all be fostering for that. Let me stand and stop there for now. Great, thank you. Uh, well, thank I give you the opportunity to respond. My response is Caesar directly. No, thank you for that. Um, I think, firstly, let me just say what, what Lana Mabenga Consulting is and what, what I do. <coughs> Lana Mabenga Consulting is a social enterprise. Um, I educate on what it means to be transgender. I create awareness around transgender reality. And I also link young people who identify as transgender to care. Now, the reason why I chose to, to have this enterprise is because, you know, you realize the restrictive policies and, and practices in the workplace and the lack of awareness and knowledge on, on, on issues that affect LGBTI persons. So I felt it, it is very necessary to, to, to have such a, an organization that is going to drive change mm -hmm. and try and, and push it out there as best as, best as possible. And also in workspaces, traditional workspaces, traditional businesses, you find that if we ignore LGBTI persons, then it might go away. And I mean, that's been the reality for a lot of people, which causes a lot of people not to want to live their truth because they're going to be sidelined and they're going to be pushed out because of the culture that dominates in the workspace. So I feel, uh, like you say, going back to the Constitution, I mean, our Constitution is the first in the world to have specific protections and recognitions for gender diversity and sexual diversity. So I feel that is why we need to have the economic inclusion and recognition of, of LGBT businesses in South Africa. Right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's right there, it's in black and white, it's a fundamental right of every single human being. And if we go back to look at who heads up these businesses, um, it's human beings, right? So if we remove these, if we remove the labels, if we remove the gender, if we remove the, the sexuality, ultimately it filters down or it decants to human beings mm -hmm. are running these organizations. So why then do we need to ostracize those who are different in terms of their gender and their sexuality. So I think, I think personally, the social and economic costs of excluding LGBTI persons in businesses are very high. Mm -hmm. uh, because you find that resources now need to be rechanneled in terms of fighting the, the phobias, fighting the prejudice, whereas they could be used and redirected into, into improving the, the realities in the workspaces. Mm -hmm. And also, like you said, the, the, pink, the pink rand. I mean, there's a lot of potential there. So I feel it's, 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 it's a conversation that it's great that it started, but one that needs to continue. Because also within the LGBT space, those that have had the privilege to have amazing journeys, for an example, should also be plowing back and unpacking these conversations and, and driving the change that we want to see. So I, 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 I truly believe that it's, it's, um, it's a necessary element of human life. The ethical aspect, again, it's a moral element to say, what right do I have to exclude someone else based on their gender or sexuality? Right? I don't have a right to do that. And I think then, even in businesses, in, in going back to HR policies, in going, in, in going back to formulating these, these frameworks, we need to rely on the fundamental 
provisions and protections that are given to us by our model constitution, which goes back to everyone has got the right to be who they are, and everyone has got a right to participate in the economy of the country. Thank you. Thanks. We're going to open the discussion up for debate, question and answers. I'm not suggesting that the questions must be directed to the panel necessarily. I think this is a, a, a space for, for us all to, 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 to grow and share uh, our own experiences, our perspectives. There's just two things that sort of st stuck out for me um, when both Cizu and, 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 and Landa spoke. Um, I, th I think the problem that we have is sameness, <laughs> you know, in that we, we, get, we, get, we get bucketed into sameness. That actually is the challenge. Um, we are equal, but we are different. And, 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 and that's where difference becomes a, a, a problem, because the worldview is a particular, has a particular lens on what people should look like, what they should wear, you know, if you present as female, females dress like this, females behave like this, etc., um, etc. Et so I think as a society, as business, uh, the first thing that we must get married to is difference. Um, because that's the first start, for, 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 for me, starting point to understanding the fact that different people, different experiences, different expectations and I suppose the idea with business typically that it's like a one size fits all, you know, you try and put people through a sausage machine and, and get everybody to, to have the same experience because it's easier, it's cheaper that way. Uh, the, the, the difficulty with difference is that, is that it forces you to, to customize because you're dealing with different people, they'll have different needs and different expectations. So maybe a message from myself to BLSA is that, you know, they should tell the CEOs to prepare for difference. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and not have workplaces that are, are, are customized for sameness. Can, can I say one thing on that one? Because okay, I like let, me, let, me just, let me just make my second point because I'll forget it. I think while we sit here uh, in, in this very nice venue and talk about the 53 billions and the 204 billions, the poverty aspects of the LGBT community is something that we sh you know, shouldn't escape us in this room. Because while we talk about what the opportunity uh, missed by business from a, a pink rent perspective, the other side of that spectrum is the just total exclusion uh, from market participation you know, and, uh, of, of, of members of LGBT com uh, LGBTI community, yeah. which leads to, you know, when we talk about extreme poverty in this country, uh, I don't think and I don't know whether we have actually come to understand what extreme poverty within the LGBT context actually is, because that's the other side of the spectrum. When you can't even get through any door, you know, can't can have a business, you can't you can get a job, um, what that means. And I think this is part of the things that we should be discussing today. Sorry, Sister. Yeah, I wanted to mention, I actually like you, because in business they emphasize a lot of diversity and inclusiveness about ideas, and they tend to mm -hmm. forget about diversity and inclusiveness of people, mm -hmm. that we are leaving this untapped talent and resources when it comes to that. So it's incumbent upon all of us to make sure that we challenge this anachronistic mentality, these uh, old, dated social norms which says that we want the oneness. That should not be the case, because right now we see the role that women play, we see the role that people with disability have, 
And I'm saying that it's time that we raise the voice for people, uh, for communities of LBTI, so that at least they, are take, they take their rightful place in society as well as in business. Mm-hmm. And we know some certain organizations, they are so... Um, different, in her, to put it in a lighter way, they prejudice uh, people that uh, don't look the same as them, especially when it comes to business. Financial service sector, for example, it's known to differentiate people and, and, and you, you tend to be ostracized. And one of the things that BLSA should be fighting for is to ensure that these people are embraced. Mm-hmm. People who should be ostracized are those that still believe in old morality and believe that women's places in the kitchen, LPTI, those are the people that don't belong to being society. Those are the people. People like President of uh, Uganda, whereby you cannot express yourself. Those are the leaders that should be, that should be ostracized in, in, in society. And it's time now to raise the bar by pinpointing those individuals that tend to differentiate and ostracize the LPTI community. That's all I wanted to say, Lindy. Thank you so much. Let's engage. Questions, answers, contributions. Let me take us. So I think um, you, you mentioned that our frameworks and the constitution. I think a lot of the people sitting here are part of quite strong political groups within, within business already. Mm. And we have these progressive human capital policies. But the struggle, the real struggle, is to change the culture and to get the buy-in from hope. And I think the problem is to... to everybody heard me, right? <laughs> so I think the problem is not necessarily with the framework, not necessarily with the policy. The, the change is, is, is changing the culture and, and, and creating that inclusive culture within, within business. And I think that will trickle down into society and, and all of that. I think... As, as leaders in business, mm. one of our main jobs is to, is to influence societal views. Mm. And, and it's to create that culture. Now, I don't have the answer to it, but I think that's the one thing that we could try and unravel a bit more. Can I, can I, ask, can I yeah. just throw that back at you? Mm. So, so in, 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 in working with the culture, right, would that then mean that we require or ask people who identify as LGBTI in those spaces to out themselves so that the culture can evolve? Um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, so I don't think it's, 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 it's necessarily for somebody has to come out or out themselves. I think there's a lot of people already out in business and, and uh, and I challenge everybody who's out of business, it's your responsibility. It's, it's something that in our firm has changed quite a bit when people started saying, but I'm proud to be who I am, and I can offer so much more to the business just because of that. And, I, and, I, so, and it's also an awareness thing. So one of the comments I would like to make is that it's awareness thing. I think it's very important that we, we make people aware of it. And unfortunately... I'm, going to use the, the staunch Afrikaans woman who is uh, your boss. He needs to be made aware of the fact. He's most probably never engaged with a gay man in his life. So 
So it's also important, or a... Sorry? Yeah, that he knows of. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's an awareness thing, um, number one. And I, and I think it's important to also... It's great to have these policies, but who really reads the human capital policies? Mm. So, so let's start at that point, to when we, when we recruit people, when we have interviews with people, let's, let's put this out there and, and let's open the conversation at the first get-go when they join the firm. A bit of a boring statistic, but I think it's relevant to what you've just said in terms of what's coming. Apparently, by 2025, 50% of the workplace this is a global statistic, will be made up of millennials, mm. of, of, of whom 20% identify as LGBT+. So if, if the workplace thinks it's going to stay stat static um, and everybody, because that, you know, certainly when I, when, when, when I started working 24 years ago, you, you had this paradigm of, oh, the culture here, so, so you know, yeah. it doesn't matter, you come as a circle, as a triangle, as a rectangle, this is square. You know, you fit into the culture here. Uh, that's going to have to be thrown out of the window. Next uh, contribution. Yes, sir. Um, uh, thank you. Does, uh, in response to your initial point about sameness, and, and in fact to this last point as well, so what do we name ourselves? Mm. Um, I've always been in two minds about this LGBTQ. Well, sometimes the Q is there, sometimes not. Um, I used to be gay the last time I checked. But, <laughs> and I thought, so, uh, but you know, seriously speaking, uh, is it important, this mm. issue of how we, how we name ourselves? Is it mm. about finding one word that is easy? Um, is, is it in fact important to name each of those letters? Mm. Um, so, or maybe we're all just plus. But I think for me, and, and I'd be interested to hear some views on, is it important, this issue of how we name ourselves? Oh. And that's a question for the plenary. <laughs> Thank you, Lindu. And firstly, thanks for inviting us to be here today. I think there's a tremendously diversity of voices participating and, and adding value to PLUS's objectives. Um, I, I speak from, for example, the tourism sector over my experience over the last 20 years. And what I found is that it's been a continuous case of engagement to shift that paradigm mindset, that patriarchal mindset of inclusion. Um, you'll find that hotel groups and what have you are very happy to have um, LGBTI members of staff. That's, that's fine. They can be cleaning rooms. They can be serving at the buffet table. But when it came to management and when it came to engaging with customers and or colleagues, they became a little bit uncomfortable. And I found that over 20 years of constant engagement at things like tourism in Darwin and others, the mindset, mindset is slowly shifting. We're just very fortunate, as you said, that we're in a period with millennials where their mindset is that much more open. So we actually have fertile ground to achieve change the way we want to. But in a sector like that, it's the constant engagement to say, you realise that there is a customer base out there that can grow the country's economy that globally the UNWTO, the World Tourism Organization, values at about $211 billion in 2016. That's a humongous amount of money that could be feeding into the South African tourism economy. And yet, I constantly am engaging with small practitioners. So it's not the big corporates that I'm particularly worried about. And alluding to your, your point about mm. policy and people don't read their own policy, but it's the smaller operators who really are engaging themselves with 
very difficult points of view that they have to actually have these kind of customers, that they actually have these staff and they can't keep their personal viewpoints to the forefront of their business. Their personal viewpoints have to take a back seat and business principles have to come forward. So that challenge is being met, but very slowly. So coming together like this augments that process and certainly helps us achieve that goal. Talk about the tourism sector, I still find <laughs> that when you book for two women, you get two beds. The automatic is like a default, it's a twin bed. And you have to undo the twin bed. Like, no, excuse me, it's one bed that I'm looking for, and there's still this, you know, raising of the eyebrows. Like, when are you going to get it right? It's, it's a very good analogy, <laughs> and it's the one we constantly bring up. But I've got to tell you, I went to a hotel with a, with a gay friend of mine, but we were booking as friends, and they'd already offered us the king-size bed to share. Lucky you. And I, Lucky had, to, you. I had to say, I'm Lucky sorry, you. I'm here just with a friend. So, yeah, there's slow transformation. <laughs> Next question. Comment. Yes, sir, at the back. Morning, everyone. Um, thank you for a challenging panel. Um, I just have a, like a, a question or a comment for everyone. A lot of businesses will be trying to grow their footprint across, I mean, Sizo mentioned Sub-Saharan Africa. Mm. And I'm, I imagine a lot of businesses represented here will be trying to grow their footprint there. And I'm wondering, would this be a forum for challenging those businesses not to play safe in terms of their policies in countries that are not, whose laws are not LGBTI friendly, mm. are they just going to play safe or is there a, a line between championing human rights, the human rights of your staff and of your stakeholders, and at the other, on the other hand, observing the law of the land in which you're doing business? Because we, the world is getting smaller. We can't be Africa light anymore. And that's just something I think we need to keep an eye on. I mean, this, it's, it's years before that kind of conversation becomes an immediate, urgent concern, but it's something we do have to keep in mind as the world shrinks and as we enter the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah. Thank you. The last time I checked, an unjust law is worthy not to be observed. Mm. Ah. <laughs> Any other contributions or answers to this heaven? This, this side is just very quiet. There's nobody home. <laughs> of views. Welcome to the session. <laughs> Can I comment about the LGBTQI? Just from my thinking and perspective, right? I think over 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 time, the community has evolved uh, in terms of gender and sexual diversity, mm-hmm. right? So you find um, a lot of fluidity in terms of, of, of sexual orientation and, and, and your gender as well. And I suppose then that is why it, it becomes, for lack of a better way of putting it, imperative for the people in the community to be able to own how they feel or how they want to be, to be referred to and received. Uh, within the greater society. And I suspect that's why the language then part of it becomes important because w- like, just like human beings are evolving, so is the language and so is the way that people are becoming more liberated to be themselves and identify themselves as who and what they feel to be. I, th- I think that's, that's, that's where it, it's, it's coming from and going. So, I wanted to comment about the, the framework because we've got these policies, these laws that um, they are not enough. Um, I, I will draw a parallel. We, used to, we have this chapter nine institution. No one used to care about the public enter, uh, public protector. It's the individuals that are there. So 
same like at home or in organization, the, the fish rot from the head. So those people need to change. So you might have as many laws as possible, you might have as many institutions, you might have many policies, processes, but if people don't get it, uh, they won't you know, go to get the result, the desired result. So it's incumbent upon all of us here, uh, whether we are straight or not straight, I don't know what's called a term, that all of us need to show people that there is value in diversity and inclusiveness. There's so much value in ensuring that People are embraced, I think, in century or even in some other countries, even today. Women are still thrown upon. But once you bring them into the economic sphere, they participate. That's when you see this multiplier effect. Can you imagine if the world were to embrace the LPGTI community, the diversity of voices, of ideas, mm -hmm. the diversity of thought, the growth, the transformation, as well as peace peace and security, which is quite needed. We tend to focus on business cases, but we don't, the, the human element, it tends to take the backseat. Yeah. And I'm saying that, BNSA and other organizations, whoever is your boss, even your peers, they need to be taught. And then those that don't get it, they probably need to be forced, because sometimes yeah. um, <laughs> that's what is needed. Thank you. I'm Patrick Bradshaw from Norton Rose Fulbright. I want to, you know, there's an interesting thing in the insurance laws. There's a regulation which says you have to treat customers fairly. And there's a governance regulation which says that you've got to be able to demonstrate that at board level downwards you are addressing the issue, uh -huh. that you have a policy, and that you are inculcating the culture of treating customers fairly throughout your organization. And that's a regulation and you can get fined for not doing it. And I think that if we are treating everyone fairly regulations in governance laws, mm -hmm. saying you have to address this at board level, you must show me how you're doing it, what the policy is, how you engage with it every board meeting, how your social and ethics committee, which I'll come to later, deals with it. So that it is mm -hmm. actually, the culture is put into the law because we talk about it, but unless there's some guidance, and it's not because I want to compel people to do it, because that doesn't always work, but remind people to do it. Steve? Can I? I just want to respond to your question around Africa and the continent. Um, look, we have over 40,000 colleagues in ABSA across the continent, and that is a challenge for us. And, and and look, we don't have all of the answers. When we launched our network in 2014, we used to censor all of our communications into the rest of Africa. Um, we just used to send them to South Africa. Um, here we are four years later, um, and we don't do that anymore. Um, and we send all of our comms to all of our colleagues, no matter where they are. We have mentorship programs set up in order to be able to support colleagues in, in our organization, no matter where they are. And in fact, our executive committee and chair lady um, actually also have these conversations with people in country at various senior levels. So you know, as an organization, this is what we stand for. These are our, our values. And that's the way that we've started to tackle some of that. Don't have all the answers. It's always going to be challenging. Um, but we've actually taken some pretty bold and brave steps in order to be able to do that. Um, and that's very different to where we were four years ago. Yeah. Steve, uh, thanks, Linda. 
Um, thanks, uh, uh, panelists, and, and, and maybe probably this is for Caesar. Uh, you know, I, I have just two questions. One is why is the business community scared of fast tracking transformation? And, and, and I think we need to be frank about this. You know, it has taken us so long mm -hmm. to transform not only just on LGBTI issues, even around gender issues. You know, we, we, we still fight for, 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 for mm -hmm. you know, barometer, the gender barometer of, you know, ensuring women mm -hmm. take the rightful positions. But right now, you know, similarly. So it's not even... A, a, it's not even a new story. We've seen this, how we fight for race, one. Mm -hmm. How we fight for gender, two. Mm -hmm. Now even recognition of sexual diversity is what we are fighting for now. Why is it taking the business community this long to transform? Secondly, is the question around protecting human rights, even in the business space. We have to deal, I mean, I work with human rights issues and, and, and LGBTI community. We have quite a lot of workplace discrimination cases. Yeah. Why is the business community not fully committing to human rights? We know that the economy requires population and requires a healthy, like you're saying, peaceful, peace and security, it requires that. But the population also needs that. Why are we not respecting human rights and be putting our foots, foot down? Like we require profit, we must put foot, our foot down for human rights. Why is it taking us that long to transform? I wouldn't know much, but I think <laughs> what, I would say, uh, what I do know that in terms of human nature, the status quo tends to favor. We all say we like to change, but when it comes to really changing in everything, I mean, women still pay uh, 24, 20, up to 26 percent less than men for the same work. Some of them are overly qualified. Mm -hmm. uh, but because we've always felt comfortable with the status quo, and I'm saying, uh, I revert back to my earlier statement, which says that the responsibility resides within all of us here to make sure that we change the status quo, that anachronistic moral compass, that social cohesion, that nothing about us, for us, and without us. That's what you should be saying. The students for the FISMAS 4, that's what they taught us, that nothing for us, about us, without us. So LBGT community needs to be saying that this diversity and inclusiveness, this different voice, this difference, if you like, if you, weigh, if, if, you, if you like, is the source of inspiration, creativity, and innovation. Africa, being in a way, youngest co uh, continent of 1.3 billion people, a younger generation. That is why you look at the uh, countries in Asia, they are looking at Africa and say, Africa should be the future, that should be the source of resources not when it comes to minerals only, but when it comes to talent. And that talent is brought about diversity. The human right, that is why I'm saying that the leaders need to be taught about that. Because only if the leaders, they bring that vision, that, that vision they sponsor programs, they sponsor that kind of communication, they sponsor this kind of fora, this kind of engagement, do we get 
to be comfortable. I don't have to belong to that community to respect it. LBTD rights community are human rights. So up until we tend to embrace that, we sponsor it, we encourage that diversity, we make sure that they don't get overlooked when it comes to promotion, we'll never get it right. So the challenge is within us. It took many moons up until women were actually respected. It's still not happening in industries, in companies. This is a struggle for all of us, and surrender is not an option. No, my take for what it's worth, um, we've tended not to see the correlation between transformation and democracy. Yeah. That actually transformation is a democracy project. Mm -hmm. If you transform and you, we, are, we are inclusive, you, you foster the things that you're fighting for, you are actually underpinning democracy. So what business will be all over the place um, protesting, commenting, and, 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 and making submissions about things that might not be going right at a democracy level. They don't see possibly that there are elements of the democratic project that they should be grasping themselves and doing really well. So until we, we wait for these regulations, Patrick, that there must be something in some regulation that forces me to do the right thing. Uh, and yet when democracy starts to falter, it starts to fail, we want to look at a political level, but we don't see that there are certain elements of democracy that are within our grasp that we should be doing something about. And my view is that transformation is a democracy project. If we do it right, it supports the project that we are busy with called democracy. So. Good morning, everyone. Alison from Port Elizabeth. I think my biggest... Um, the biggest challenge in business and in government is really um, a lack of education amongst the leaders. Because even if people are old and they um, read or participate in current uh, events, then people's um, minds do change or become altered when policies have to be implemented. When we had a similar session in PE with even them, um, we were talking about having a certain percentage of business going to LGBTI communities. I had a big issue with that because I don't want to get business because I'm labeled. Mm. I want to get business because I'm good. The other issue I have is the majority of our brothers and sisters. Uh, the, the issue you raised earlier on, who are not part of the system and that segment is growing bigger by the day. And the other reason I would say why I've decided to take this day to come here was to look at how this kind of forum will assist that millions of people. Because those guys are not there because they don't want to work with study, but because of what they're going through. So, so I'm hoping that, you know, in this day, as we move forward, we will be looking at programs to assist those individuals who are out of the system. Thank you, Alison. I think it's probably a good place to... I'm not going to close you up. Uh, but I think you probably I'm going to be the last speaker. Oh, now, now we've got an awakening happening on this side of the room. Quickly, please. 
Um, thank you for not closing me out. Um, I think this is a very challenging time for corporate South Africa. Uh, one of the impacts of uh, the state capture has shown the power and complacency of corporates in kind of um, in, in the South African political system. But I think what it has also shown is the immense power which um, business leaders hold. And I think that that power should be used, um, as my colleague has said, for advancing a human rights agenda. Um, so even when corporates are engaging in, in uh, other jurisdictions in Africa, they have access to those corridors of power where they can make it particularly um, uh, forceful changes with government leadership. And I can use the example of IBM in India, where the leadership in, within IBM was engaging with a very conservative BJP government in ensuring that as, their companies, as the company was expanding through India, that they were ensuring that there was a human rights agenda. Now, I think India is in a watershed moment when it comes to LGBTIQ, and I think part of that has really been the, uh, the impact of corporates. So I think particularly when we look beyond just you know, um, uh, advocating for diversity within workplaces, Businesses, business South Africa has access to the corridors of power where it matters, and they should be using that for the for the good of of, of our community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yesterday I flew in from Germany uh, to attend this conference, so I'm happy not to be excluded. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm actually writing a book on LGBT and global business. I've been writing a book already some four years ago which focused only on Germany, but this one is focusing on global business. So um, I was very curious when I heard that you would be having this conference because in a way uh, this of course is setting a, a sign to me at least. There was a similar conference some weeks ago in Hong Kong, which is of course a um, different cultural setting. But I think it's no coincidence that uh, you as a front leader here in Africa are doing this first, I think, first conference of that kind on the continent, as well as Hong Kong that's popping up with this conference. Um, uh, on Friday, I was, uh, on Saturday, uh, Thursday, I was at, at a big event at ThyssenKrupp in Germany, and there was a professor um, giving a presentation uh, on the connection between transformation and diversity, and in particular, LGBT diversity. And he was uh, trying to describe uh, that in connected to certain uh, sort of um, business developments and technical developments, there are very often from the emergence of one sort of key idea until sort of getting this about to come mainstream, it takes 50 years approximately. Hmm. And when he was making this point, I was thinking, well, um, you're having this conference here, uh, Hong Kong is making this conference, there are many things popping up, actually, agents of change worldwide, globally, in many, many, many ways, in many countries, uh, in different constellations. And if you look back, uh, for instance, in 69, when there were the Stonewall riots uh, in New York, next year it's 50 years. To me, uh, I think uh, this has been a long time, but uh, in a way it's gone very, very fast. As one, one week ago, I had an interview with a human rights lawyer in London, uh, and he said, you know, everybody today thinks uh, for a gay person, London is a wonderful, wonderful place to live. He said, well, I'm old enough, he's 50 plus, uh, so you know what he's talking about. He said, well, some 20 years ago, it was one of the worst places to live. 
And I think we tend to forget that some change uh, takes time on the one hand, and that, uh, that uh, thing then ch can change, uh, things can then change very happen, and particularly with respect to, to um, LGBT. Uh, a last point, I kind of could go on, but just one last point is uh, uh, talking about the role of corporates. Um, what, I, what I sensed during the last five years so connecting to this, my first research on my first book, uh, which was dedicated only to Germany, it was also covering gay football fan clubs and church and the army, so completely different. This is only focused here now in uh, global business. Uh, that the global corporates are sort of becoming the drivers of change worldwide. Um, and not just uh, in a different way, of course, in different cultural settings, and my, my, my impression as well here in South Africa in some way. And uh, there may be as well an effect as well to small and medium-sized companies, because there's as well a tendency that the corporates are setting up a standard sort of supplier uh, diversity mm -hmm. to impose roles uh, on small and um, medium-sized companies to uh, to comply to certain diversity things as well uh, LGBT things. This is a big trend actually going on. So there's as well hope for for South Africa because this was coming up. This topic of small and medium-sized companies. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, of course, I, I, I understand very much that you are impatient here, but I think this is a momentum, a historical momentum, and, and things take some time, but uh, they then finally can, uh, can happen very fast. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, let me thank, I am closing, I'm out of time. Let me thank my panelists, Sizwe and uh, Landa, for participating in this uh, discussion, and thank you all. I'm hoping that the discussions that we had, the questions, the clearing, the, even the answers will, you know, percolate yeah. into the session, uh, uh, the various sessions that we'll have during today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And now I can't speak. Sorry about Elia. <laughs> um, I think that was very interesting, and there's so many points that uh, were made. Lindewa, I'm not going to forget this comment that you made because it sounds like a perfect soundbite for television. Um, you say we are equal, but we are different. The first thing we must get married to is difference. It's amazing. It's a, it's a simple way of putting who we are and how we actually go for when we look at the, the, the real reason behind a summit like this. Uh, we also hear that we shouldn't be impatient. That's something good to hear and remind ourselves going into this, because many of us will leave this summit today saying, well, when is it going to happen? When a company is going to work on this LGBTI network for uh, you know, protecting the rights of the community, for making sure that their staff feel they're safe to work? It is happening slowly, and the more and more we talk about this, I think the more and more we'll advance where we want to get to. And this is just the start of it. This is Gay Essay Radio's coverage of the South African LGBTI Business Summit.